You're listening to the Half Natty Podcast. We aim to bring together the enhanced and natural athletes of competitive bodybuilding and powerlifting with our hosts, Matt Nelson and Luke Miller. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Half Natty Podcast. Today, we're joined by an IFBB pro man that needs no last name, Kuba. He's the owner of Ultraflex Gym in Rotherham. Uh, he's trained by a JP athlete. And like I said, he is an IFBB pro and young, young, 26 years old, I believe. So welcome to the podcast, Kuba. We're, we're excited to have you. We're going to be talking about mini cuts, mini cuts, man. It is, uh, it's going to be a big topic and I'm excited to dive into this. I definitely think after the minute cut talk, we should we should dive into some of the mistakes I made in prep as well. I think that's going to be interesting. Yeah, we're we're going to kind of get into that today. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I I will blow your minds with a couple of things. I think where yeah. you're going to be like, what? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, uh, I'm excited for that now. <laughs> like that's actually intriguing now. So let's let's kind of set the framework for mini cuts, where we use them, why we would use them. Um, kind of like where we've seen the utility happen to, to, to benefit us the most. And then off of the framework, we'll go into some details and then possibly probably go into your contest prep a little bit and, and mistakes we've made, not only with mini cuts, but within prepping as well within some of these dieting. So I think to, 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 to kick this off, I think the good point would be is obviously – my personal opinion now from experience and, and the, the last off that I've had is phases where we do mini cuts and not even sort of a mini cut, but I think where you have to pull back with calories, I, I don't think that's utilized often enough. I think many people that, that are very much in a frame of mind where they feel like they need to push and push and continue pushing. Or I think that, that there is also a, a lot of people that, that feel the need to hold a certain weight and stay still. And for me, that's just stagnation. I think bodybuilding is just about progress. So you need to be moving forward one way or another. Whether that's up and down, you're still moving forward. You're still making progress. So I feel like the minute cut has to be based off at which point in off-season do you recognize the, the, the point at which, one, you're not making progress. Two, you, have, you don't have the ability to eat. Where for me, the ability to eat and digest your food is everything. If you cannot digest your food or eat, you will not be able to perform. Everything that we do outside of the gym has to reflect performance. So that is the ability to eat. For me, that is key. And it's no coincidence that, that, that post-show, we, if we nail that process and we don't eat garbage and we look after ourselves and look after our actual gut, the, 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 kind of, the, the, the length at which you can grow and make progress is huge. It's immense. Like I, I've done it personally myself where... I've pretty much spent a good 10 months just pushing up after a contest phase without having to mini cut or pull back. But that has to be done when you are taking a, such a meticulous approach. Like you have to be to the bottom with it. And this is what I'm doing right now as well. And it's really, really, really working well. Um, so back to the mini cuts. <sighs> I think they need to be utilized with a purpose. So your sole purpose of mini cut is not to get in stage condition. Your sole purpose of mini cut is to pull you back in a position where you are able to progress again. So for me, the, the first thing that really goes, and, and believe it or not, the, the, the one thing that I have realized is the ability to eat ties into your recovery and poor sleep as well. 
Because when you are not able to eat, nine times out of 10, as a bodybuilder, you will be going to bed with a full stomach, with your heart rate still elevated, and you will your sleep will suffer so much. And not only that, because you are trying to force feed and get the extra calories and you will be staying up till later. So not only are you getting poor sleep, you're getting less sleep and, and you're just adding unnecessary stress to your gut and extra inflammation. And to tie that in as well, and slow me down if I'm going too fast because I, I love that shit and I, I get excited about it. But to tie that in as well, the more inflammation you cause and, and the worse you kind of feel, the less sleep you get, in my opinion, the more sides you actually get from anabolics. So if you are running a cycle, right? You not only, it all falls to shit from not being able to eat, but you also get more side effects from the gear you are running. So it all ties in well together. And I think the key is to catch it before you get to the point where it actually goes to shit. Because if you get it to a point where it goes to shit, it will not be a mini cut. It will end up being a cut where it lasts six to eight to 10 weeks. Whereas in my opinion, which I have done actually before, when I caught it early, three to four weeks is enough to one, get you super sensitive again, get you hungry and bring your body composition back down in a respectable place. But again, one thing that I need to stress as well, your body composition is not the forefront of your mind when it comes to a mini cut. You have to accept that you will stay fluffy and you will not stay in contact shape year round. But another thing to consider as well is different people function the best at different body levels, body fat levels. So for me, I may need to stay within a certain range of body fat to function and, and perform to the best of my ability. For you, Luke, it may be different. Do you follow me? Yeah. And this ranges with women so, so much more than men. Some women are so happy being fluffy and, mate, the beasts, they can eat, they can perform, like the hormone levels are, are great, especially with the natural women because I do, I do quite have... Uh, I do have quite a lot of the natural females that, that, that do work with me. And it's extraordinary where they, they can actually function so, so well at the upper end of the body fat levels that I would like them to be. But again, it, it varies so much person to person. It's so individual. This is why I never take on clients now if they just want to work with a prep. I need to have a full off season with them first to know exactly where they function the best and to know how far I can push them in off season to be able to prepare them for that, for the contest prep. But again, back to the mini cuts, I think it varies so much on a personal level and individual level where there is no actual set rule or no method you can follow that. There is no science to it. This is the beauty of bodybuilding. Like we are science experiments. We do science on each other and we do experiments on each other. It's constant. And the more people you get to do it with, the more you can learn of different bodies and, and how different people work. And that will give you a brief overview of what you need to do with certain different individuals. Because believe it or not, us as human beings, we're not so different. We're not. Like when people say, oh, yeah, he's way different. No, he's not. The only difference is, is this guy has different habits, different daily routine, different structure, and, and kind of, he goes about his day a lot different to what I will. This is the only difference. So again, back to the mini cuts, I think it, it is very individual and it's very person dependent as to what you need uh, and where you will perform the best is again, everything needs to be based upon, about around performance. Like at which point do you start seeing a decline? At which point do you start seeing the progress just basically start getting turned into a slog? Where you're going in the gym and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be hard. Like I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I can get that extra rep or that extra kilo on the bar. Do you follow me? Yeah. 
I think, and you alluded to something too that I wanted to touch on is the utility of it is very context dependent on how you treat your all season and how you handle this process, right? So for like those of us that really the only difference in the transition from all season to prep is the direction we're going. It's really not a change in lifestyle and that kind of thing. The mini cut utility is something that is very short in duration and it happens and reset the variables a lot quicker. Like you alluded to like that three to four week time span. Where I think, where I think people start to lose the concept of the mini cut is the fact that they're using it in the framework of a long period of time of being like off schedule or off plan, or they haven't been ticking their boxes for a long period of time. But then a mini cut turns into this eight, nine, 10, 11 week dieting process because leading into the mini cut, it wasn't something that was, you know, articulate, articulate. We've been ticking our boxes. We've been doing what we need to do in order to set the framework for the mini cut. And that's something that I think is missed a lot is like, you'll get clientele that like come into your process and you'll get like, I just had one where his coach kind of messed up the first four weeks of his post show where he's already lost like hunger signaling and all these other things. And like the first thing we're doing is resensitizing that it's going to take this dude eight to nine days to be able to do that. Right. Cause he, he's been smart enough to be able to not make fully the decisions that his old coach was trying to make for him. Um, but then on the flip side, you have people that have been off track for four months and that mini cut's going to look like 11, 12, 13, 14 weeks. Just because in order to get them back to where they need to be to, function at their best, which I think should be the end goal of a mini cut, food's processing well, recovery capabilities well, the ability to suck in oxygen, so like your cardiovascular capabilities, um, to be able to train, these are all of the things that we should be looking for a mini cut. We should be seeing where does performance optimize? We don't want to push a mini cut to dieting fatigue levels. There's a large difference between those two. Yeah, you know, I think you absolutely nail that point where you want to be able to get in a good position without accumulating any fatigue whatsoever. Like, don't get me wrong, you will get a degree of fatigue, which at the end of a mini cut, I always like to implement a deload. And I always like to implement some extra rest days, deload. We eat up a little bit, we reset, we, we obviously start reversing back out and we get back to it. But I think the best point that you've actually made is, unfortunately, in this game, we've got two different types of people. We've got the bodybuilders that live and breathe it. So the prep never ends. Like for me, a prep never ends. Like, don't get me wrong. In my past years, I have had times where due to my circumstances and my lifestyle and the, the place that I was in, in the world, unfortunately, things slip. But I've molded my life right now where a prep never ends. My days are, are, are done with meticulous precision every single day. Everything's done on the times every minute. Unfortunately, people don't have that kind of discipline to be able to do that year round. These are the people where the mini cut is not a mini cut. A mini cut turns into a process where we regain the structure and discipline. And this is the biggest mistake people make. Like half the time, and do you know what? Nine times out of 10, the reason why people get so out of shape to need more frequent mini cuts is through lack of discipline and lack of structure. Because one, they let the diet slip Two, whether they've got cardio or whether they've got neat levels that they have to hit and hit the targets every day, they let them slip. The training slips. It's like a domino effect where everything starts to fall down one by one. And this is what I've been trying to preach so much. And 
and try and stay on my clients as much with, with the structure and routine side. Like a lot of them, with the, with the checklist you actually have, like I pretty much go in detail on everything. I go in and I want to know everything. I want to know what time to go for a shit. And I want to know, I want to know what time to wake up and go to sleep. And mate, literally, there's a couple of my clients for the last three months, the response has been the same every week. Your daily routine, your daily routine, your daily routine. After three months, they finally had two weeks where they've actually nailed the routine. And in that two weeks, they've made more progress in two weeks' time than they have made in the last three months. And I'm like, can you not see now the benefits of this? And not only that, they have a business as well. They have a coaching business and they have a gym. And nailing that routine has transferred not only to progression in the gym with what we are doing, but with their business. So it all interlinks together. And I feel like the whole point of a mini cut, it's like, don't get me wrong, our mini cuts are different. Me and you will treat a mini cut like a real mini cut that we're trying to talk about right now. But unfortunately, 90% of people that we work, well, probably less, because we're trying to, we're trying to weed out the people that aren't like us right now. Because at the end of the day, it, it, it's just wasting our time and, and, and kind of, taking our energy away and I feel like our energy is too valuable to share that with people that aren't going to bring what we want to bring to the table so for me it's it's definitely one of the things where a mini cup needs to be treated a way that, that we go about it not in a way where we need to do it to regain the structure does that make sense like that structure and discipline needs to be there year round to, to avoid the situations of needing 11 weeks of that in yep and and that's honestly man like you can look at my entire branding and it's alluded around that daily routine, like that yeah. no off switch in pursuit of results for no switch fitness. is No switch fitness. Bro. Yeah, I get that. I get that. No. <laughs> be like, just wake up and tick the daily box. Oh, yeah. That's the attention yeah. detail that's needed. And it's like the most successful people in this game do not treat a differential between prep and off season. And they just love the process. And that's, yeah, but, Listen, you know what? We're going to go off track here a little bit, but the most successful people in the world follow the same path. It's, it's the discipline. Unfortunately, like bodybuilding is a sport of discipline. That is the sole core of bodybuilding because you're not just disciplined in the gym. That, like, you have to be disciplined year-round with everything you do. So it, it's one of the things. It all works together. But it, it, you know what? The, the, the reason why... A, a, a lot of people got different perception is I have a lot of great athletes come to me that have had poor experiences with people that don't pay enough attention to the detail. And this is where recently I've had a lot of them go through a, a, almost a mini prep, not a cut. Does that make sense? Because in, in some cases, unfortunately you will need around 10 to 12 weeks to get them back in a sensible position to be able to really, really have a great off-season ahead. And again, there's nothing we can do about that. But once we fix it, I know, and I always I always tell them, and they always see the light, like once that is fixed, the maximum time they will ever spend in, in a mini-cut is probably around four weeks. That's very, again, that's very person-dependent. It can range from three to six weeks, depending on, on obviously, each individual person's metabolic adaptation as well. So... The, the, there is quite a lot of things that do go into it, obviously, but that's just a general overview to give people a picture, obviously, how I approach things with Minicot. And I think you do things very much the same from what I've heard uh, with, with how you like to run things. But like I said, it, 
it would be great if, if we had people that we work with that, that 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 do this shit. But unfortunately, we still get quite a lot of people that that do need to get that whip out and get it get it in and, and use that mini cut just to regain that structure. But it is what it is. It, it, it's just bodybuilding, isn't it? We can't expect everyone to, to be as meticulous as we are with it. But do you know what though? Since I've made everything bulletproof with the routine and structure. I feel like I have so much more freedom and I feel like people have the wrong idea of that. I feel like people are scared of doing that because they feel like they're not going to have as much freedom. But in hindsight, it's actually the opposite. You have so much more freedom, so much more time. Yep. Yeah. That, that, you know? that routine keeps you from having to like, like overthink things, right? Cause oh, yeah, you know, no, like no. you wake up, check these boxes, go about my day. And like, it'll, I, I mean, I, I don't know, just like when you, when you look at like super successful people, like outside of bodybuilding or just like in businesses and stuff like that, like their routine is like literally the thing that got them the, the, the opportunity that afforded them the opportunity to, you know, do the things that are, that are making them successful. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's really cool. Like you guys have both touched on this whole, like using a mini cut as a, a, a resensitization period. Um, to like resensitize yourself to like hunger signaling, like all of that kind of stuff and not necessarily using it as like a physique adaptation tool. And I think that's kind of like one of the, one of the things that like people like misconstrue with, with mini cuts is because they, they see the word cut and they're like, okay, it's a, it's a, you know, time for like my physique to change. And that's not necessarily most of the time, like I, I don't think it should be, but like most of the time, it's not the, the goal of a mini cut, you know, it might be a byproduct of just you know like something that happens but the goal is to resensitize your your body to you know like hunger and and a bunch of other factors that you know come into play for the sport of bodybuilding um and i also love the fact that like you know we're talking about this uh as the sport of bodybuilding and i think we had uh, alberto nunez on and he explained it as like he was like you know football you know you practice and like you're a football player because you play football and like he was like bodybuilding, like you practice, and that is bodybuilding is the practice. He was like, he was like, if you suck at practice, you suck on stage. Yeah. <laughs> like that's just, and like that I thought that was like kind of like the one like one of the coolest things that uh, that that we pulled out of, or that I pulled out of that conversation because it's just like you know he he talked about he never liked practice in sports, and then like he started bodybuilding and. Then, like it's all it is is practice, <laughs> but yeah, this is a, this is a fantastic conversation so far. I like I love your energy, Kuba. Uh, like it's it's so so cool, man. So cool. I get, I get carried up. I, I get I get a little bit carried away when, when I talk about things like this. Obviously, anything to do with uh, with training or bodybuilding. When I talk about it, it, it gets me a little bit fired up. So I, I do go off track a little bit. But um, do you know what? I, I think I don't even think we should call them mini cuts anymore. I think we should call them like a reset. Or unless someone has to diet, we should call it a reset. That is it. Because that, in hindsight, that is all it's for. And I think the biggest, the worst thing as well when it comes to mini cuts is people emotionally attach themselves to being in stage condition. And unfortunately, that is not a productive place. And for me, to be honest, even anything below 10 weeks out shape is not really that productive. Like when you look at your prep in detail and when, if you take notes, I know you take notes and track everything like I do. I pretty much grew and my performance was still coming up and up and up, up until around maybe nine week mark. And at nine week mark, don't get me wrong, some lists were going up, but unfortunately 
the, the, the lists that really mattered, like the big stuff, the, the important stuff, like there's no way you're going to be able to really progress that. And if you are still making progress, then actually you, you're probably regressing because you're just moving that weight from A to B. You're not being so precise with it and you're not being meticulous with it. So as you are going in there, you probably see a decline in your form and tempo. So it's one of the things that I think the more people can they, they attach themselves emotionally to, to, to a certain look, I feel like so many more people would make amazing progress. As, as again, I feel like so many, too many people use the mini cuts as an excuse to start doing a cut when they don't need it. And then on the other other end of spectrum, you have some people that just want to be fat and just stay fat and be lazy, if that makes sense. So you've got like two different kinds of people with it. And that's that's the beauty of the game though. Yeah. I think I kind of want to phase into the decision-making next and maybe some like decisions we've made that have been mistakes, but a kind of a last point to, to finish out this thought is when it comes to the people that, that we, we've set the framework of the, of the discipline and the daily routine and things like that. Um, one thing I do think it needs to be said is like within pushing phases, like things that we're pushing body weight up or pushing performance up in my opinion and what I've seen from myself and my clientele, it does pay dividends to push it a little bit beyond where that comfortable, optimal performance point is. And I think that the individuals that are comfortable with understanding that I'm going to take this all season block to here, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to just do the daily things I need to, to return to that optimal spot. And then I'm going to turn around and I'm going to do it again. That's the people that progress the most from a year to year basis. Like having the mindset of I'm doing this in order to progress and not like worried about what your Instagram pictures are going to look like at peak off season is, is where we see people make the biggest jumps. My, like my last jump in contest weight was, was a 25 pound stage jump with better conditioning. Dude, dude, after the show, I'll, I'll talk to you about the individual. And it's going to blow your mind. But that, do you know what? You've, you've proper, like, you've nailed it. You've nailed it. Like, so many people, do you know when it gets hard? And I mean hard. Like, we fucking embrace it. Like, when it gets hard, you're like, yeah, like, this is the shit. And it's the same in prep. Like, when it gets hard, like, yeah, you're like, I'm bodybuilding now. Like, this is it. Like, this is, this feeling is not going to come around again for a long, long time. So I better strap in and I better embrace that every minute of it because, Let's face it, very soon there's going to be over in the spectrum where I'm just feeling like a pig and I'm full and I'm heavy. But uh, again, I think you, you've nailed it there. I don't feel like many people are prepared to push and progress at all costs. I don't feel like they are. When it gets hard, they just say they can't do it. And I actually had a couple of, well, uh, leave. He made, I think he added 15 kilo. 15, 16 kilo. And, and the transformation was ridiculous. But unfortunately, it got to a point where it got hard. And I mean hard. Where he was getting out of breath. We had to implement cardio. We had to start getting fitter. Food was at a level where it was getting challenging. Everything was challenging. But he was still in a good spot. He did not need to mini cut. He was still in a position where his strength was rocketed. But unfortunately... Every other minute of your day, you will feel like shit. And that is it. You have to accept that. In order to make extraordinary progress, 
You don't you do you don't do in a comfort zone. You don't get peeled to get on stage in a comfort zone. You have to accept that you will feel like utter shit for the last six weeks, and you're probably not even gonna get an order for the last three weeks. And, and that's something you have to accept. And it's the same on the other end of the spectrum. When you actually go into a deep off season, you have to accept that it's just gonna be hard, it's gonna be a slog, and you will get to a point where you're not even motivated to do it, but that's where the discipline carries you over and you still wake up, you still get your posing done, you still eat the same fucking shit, the same food like a dog every single day. And, and you don't do it with no complaints because if you truly love the progress, if you love the game, because let's face it, who cares about getting on stage with pants on? I don't care. Do you? What I do care about though, I, I care about is just getting as big as I can whilst obviously, keep, obviously keeping the line and the vision that I have vision for my physique. But in the gym, that's that's where the real the real stuff happens. Like this is what you care about: going in the gym and seeing that just get better and better. That that is where that is where the best bodybuilders have the best passion. Look at Hunter Labrada; like he's a proper bodybuilder, bodybuilder's bodybuilder. Look at John Jewett; like it's no coincidence that the guys that don't necessarily have the best genetics, but have the work ethic with sprinkle of genetics and the balls to do it, they make the best progress. So for me, you have to accept both ends of spectrum where the shit is going to get hard and challenging, but that is what separates the men from the boys. And that is what separates the people that compete next year with extra 15, 20 pounds of stage weight. Yep. And I, I think that that's kind of like a perfect point to kind of phase into what decisions are we making within a mini cut? Like what, what mistakes have we made with the decisions and like, where do we think accurate decision-making is going to benefit people the most? Um, and as like a start point, like as an example, for me, when, when I switch someone from moving into a mini cut, my initial changes are rather aggressive. And for me, a lot of the changes on the aggressive side will be activity-based um, most of the time because we've, we've lost a bit of fitness. I mean, we've, we've lost capacity fucking breathe going upstairs let alone you know do a hack squat set where we're in the 12 13 14 rep range you know um so let's kind of phase into decision making possibly some mistakes we've made we can even discuss some of the mistakes you had talked about like with the contest prep um but just kind of some of the dieting decisions that are made within mini cut processes and and kind of hash those out a little bit and then go from there so for me personally to make sure of both the biggest mistake i used to let myself in past when i used to get heavy is actually letting the fitness slip. I think that's something that you cannot do at any point. So if it's a long-term client, they will have, especially in off-season, believe it or not, I actually pull back on cardio in prep before I put it back in. Because at the beginning of prep, it's not even needed that much. So it depends, obviously, person-dependent and how the structure of the off-season. Nine times out of ten, if it's a long-term client, it'll be perfect, and then we'll be in position to do that. But peak of your off-season each of my clients will have a degree of cardio in there to keep the fitness levels up. Like that for me is more important than even it's an off season. So for me, a transition into a mini cut will definitely be uh, a calorie drop to a degree, but it will be quite aggressive like you do with yourself, depending obviously how high the, the, the levels of food is, uh, which in, in most cases they need a mini cut. It will be getting to a point where they are actually pretty high. So within their diet, they'll obviously have a, a base of, food that are calorie dense foods and on top of that they will have obviously the, the extra bits so first i'll remove anything 
that is just sitting there like Rice Krispie Squares bars, anything that is that is easily, that, that can just get cut off and not make no difference. So first and foremost, and this could be on its own, anything between 600 to 1,000 calorie drop, that will be enough to kickstart things off. That along with increasing the need through extra steps, that will be generally, and again, person dependent, but generally that would be the first option moving forward that would likely see them, depending on how big they are, drop anything between three to six, seven pounds within a week. Yep. Yeah. And I agree. And I, and most of my activity changes would be neat based. Like I'm not like trying to raise like the formal cardio, like extremely high. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, when it, when it comes to that initial calorie drop, I'm pretty close in that same range. Probably I'm probably actually a little closer to that, like eight, 900 for most people the, obviously depending on where the food ceiling is. Yeah. But I think if, if it was working for like myself or, you, or, you, or yourself, I think it would be probably about a thousand calories. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so I think that that initial start point out of the gate is what sets the tone for the rest of the mini cut. Because if we can, if we can, like you said, tick off four, five, six pounds in the first week, week and a half, like shit, you're already probably more than halfway where you need to be. You know, those, those last like six to 10 pounds of, of any six to eight pounds of any push up is probably that, that uncomfortable zone where it's, it's not totally quality weight, but it's, it's necessary to get where we need to be. And, and then like, like my last mini cut, my last mini cut was a big drop. It was a 16 pound drop, which ended up being a little bit, we actually ended up getting a little leaner than we wanted to on accident, honestly. Like it was yeah, like, do you know what though? I think sometimes your body just responds like, boom. Yeah. yeah we, just happens. we were just trying to do like nine pounds and like I got to that nine pound point and activity went up for me due to some life circumstances. And um, I just like dropped like crazy. And it's actually set up probably what's starting to look like my best push yet. So I'm not upset. But yeah. it's, 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 it's interesting because you'll get people like me who do a mini cut who I'm so stubborn straight off the gate. Yeah. The body just doesn't want to respond. And then I finally get to that point where it just all clicks and it drops. And then you get some people where it's like, three weeks in and they're already done. Like, it's like that first change, you, don't, you made that one change and you don't have to make another change from there. So this is the, the context dependent point that's so cool to see. Yeah. So is it, you know, that, that, that's the beauty of it though, because I think different people just react differently as well. Like with yourself, you probably make the change and you have to wait four days. Like with me, I make that much and I'm like, right, boom, in. Hmm. So for, for you guys, just out of, out of curiosity, um, the like the the drugs play into that. Like, do they alter during a mini cut phase, or is everything basically nutrition and exercise based? This is I'll very. Let me go first. This is very. very you know what? I, I like that question. I like that question. It's a very so uh, very context dependent. So for me, I'm one who does it typically for myself in a TRT phase. I just, I don't have issue holding on the tissue. Um, that's not my problem. My problem is like typically, like I have to get pretty deep and dirty to get shredded. Um, so it's fine for me to do it in a TRT phase. I'm not gonna get smaller. My performance stays high, that's not an issue. Um, I've, I've used it with people where possibly the back end of a push is a mid cut where drugs are still in play. Um, that's probably my preference to be honest, just because 
again, context dependent, right? The start point tells you what you need to do. Yeah. The more, the more drugs. You know what, though, Luke? I, I think the biggest, sorry, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt, but I think the biggest mistake people make is to try and plan the mini cuts around the cycles. I think that is the biggest mistake you can make because I've seen so many people stop such a good push just to do a mini cut because it, it's coming to an end of a cycle. Yeah. I makes think, no sense. I think for me, like I said, it's more where is the person at than like I'm trying to use it around certain drugs. And it just, the way that I go about the mini cut changes whether drugs are in play or not. And that's just like the difference in decision making is honestly the only difference. Like I'm not writing someone's, I'm not like planning someone's push contextually going into it thinking like the last four weeks of the cycle is going to be a mini cut it just sometimes happens where that's necessary and most of the time it's not i would argue probably most people do it within a trt phase or like a, a lower hormonal phase um but i have had to do it with some people where you know schedules got off for a couple of weeks during the push-up so we accumulated a little bit more body fat a little bit faster it just made more sense to just go ahead and take it off while drugs were in play rather than um, wait for the TRT phase. Yeah, so to like, just to clarify in my mind, you're saying that the, the you're talking about the, the drug thing as like part of your cycle or like whether you're on a like cycle versus just like TRT, but like you're not talking about like you actually implement like, like cutting. No, so I'm not going to choose drugs at the end of a push just to get someone leading. Like, that's not, that's not goal contextually dependent. Like, I'm probably only going to be using contest prep like drugs during a contest prep. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. It's, that was, that was my biggest curiosity out of it. Yeah. And Kuba, correct. If you do it differently. Do you know what? I used to do it that way. Well, that's the biggest mistake I used to make. Contest prep or off-season, I treat everything like basically like doing – don't get me wrong, it's never going to be like doing a natural. But I treat contest prep and off-season like I am a natural. Drugs are assistance. People try and use drugs and overuse them as an excuse. So everything I do is not based off drugs. It's based off my needs. So if I need a mini-cut and I'm running – what I would run the least, which is right now, which is like 300 mega of test a week, no GH, no insulin, or nothing. Like if I need a mini cut at this point, I will run a mini cut. Like drugs are irrelevant. Drugs are just there to assist what we are doing. Drugs are not what should ever, ever influence our decisions. Ever. Like if it is, then your, your muscle is not built in the gym. It's built from the vial. So that is one thing to consider in my opinion. And that's how I run things with my clients. They get a mini cut when it's needed, regardless of where they are in terms of the cycle. And do you know what? In, in many of cases, I like to run a mini cut when they are off. Obviously, depending on if they do come off or if they are doing a TRT, because what I find then is you don't really lose that much muscle mass when you actually go into a TRT phase, because with the drop inflammation, your sleep actually improves. The way you can actually eat improves. And at that time, you're actually in a perfect place to do a bit of a tidy up because believe it or not, your body's so much more responsive. Like the healthier your body is, the more responsive it is. That is one thing that I've learned from the mistakes I've made in past. And the biggest mistake I used to make in past, I would hold a weight and sit there, wait till the end of, end of a cycle, and then I'd probably use trend for a mini cut. That is, that is just dumb. 
That is simply dumb because not only I'm making my body more tired, I'm, I'm giving it more inflammation and I'm trying to cut, which again, to the point where I was doing it, it used to bring even more fatigue. So by the time it came to the end of the cycle, I would actually lose muscle because my body would be tired. And I think that's the biggest thing people don't take into consideration. Like drugs shouldn't matter as to where you are in your journey in bodybuilding. Like you should treat this sport as you are a natural. That is when you will get the best results ever, whether you're in prep or in off season. And obviously I'm not going to go into the prep side, but people just overuse drugs to try and get in with a certain point. That makes sense. Yeah. I, this is funny. You bring this up, Matt, because I had a conversation with a client yesterday on this and they were, they were asking some questions and I'll explain the contextual difference between, you know, using a minimum effective dose for where that person's at relative to using like more for the process that he's currently in. Um, and I explained it with, if we take our boxes on the things we can control outside of drugs, the training, the nutrition, the sleep, the recovery, all of those things, it's not going to matter whether we use an extra 400 milligrams of, of, of whatever he was wanting to use versus what we're at now. I'm going to keep that person at a minimum effective dose in order to get the maximum progress that they can. But where I'm going to maximize progress is going to be with the nutrition and the training and the sleep and the habits and the things like that. And if we do not lay that base foundation with our clientele from the get-go – then they're going to become extremely drug mindset. And it's like, I, I mean, I, I'm at the point now where if people, I love it when people ask questions about like the compounds and want to learn more and stuff like that. I'll answer any question all day. But when it turns into, I'm not making enough progress because I'm not ma- taking enough drugs, that's a conversation where I'm likely to drop someone. Just because this person doesn't understand what it actually takes in order to progress. And it's very clear. And I'll, I'll start that with a conversation of trying to recontextualize and reframe their mindset. And if we can get them on board and move them in the right direction, then it's cool. But if it continues down this path of, I need more drugs, I need more drugs, I need more drugs. I'm not a drug coach. I'm a bodybuilding coach. That's, that's not what I'm here to do. Yes, it's a part of what we do, but it's yeah. like Kuba said, it's an auxiliary beneficiary to what the framework of bodybuilding should be. Yeah. yeah. Do, you know like, what, do you know what, Luke? That, that is the biggest mistake I used to make. That is, the big, that is the biggest mistake I used to make. Solely because of the, more of the environment I was in and not having the knowledge and, and the ability to apply myself as I, as I can now. Does that make sense? When you don't have the application and you don't know what it actually takes to progress, of course you're going to think it's drugs. Because let's face it, if normal people looked at our schedule and they saw that we have everything mapped out, our meals, what time we wake, what time we pose, everything to the minute, like, they won't even believe it because that's not achievable to them. But unfortunately, that is what will make us progress, not the drugs. And I've been, I've been on that shoe where I've made the mistakes. I probably, I probably made every single mistake you can make in the world. But this is what's made me the person that I am now and given me kind of the, especially all the anecdotal knowledge that, that I do have through one, all the mileage of myself, basically making every stupid mistake you can in the world 
and two, just working with so many people as well. So I think uh, that's definitely that's definitely a great point, man. I think that that's something that that we need to like make like a a big poster and just fucking send it out to every gym. Yeah. Like, what do you do? Like the key. Don't ask me what I take. Ask me what I fucking do because that is like, mate. Obviously, I own a, I own a gym, right? I own a gym, and mate. The questions you fucking get every day is, what are you taking, bro? Luke, if you ever come, right, and you ever visit, <laughs> please come in shape and, 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 pull, and pull something decent because you'll have about 10 kids come to you and be like, obviously not, not, not so much at my gym because at my gym, believe it or not, there's not that many dickheads. But if you go to any other gym, you do that and you will get about 10 people come up to you and tap you on the shoulder like, mate, what are you taking? What lab is it? I'm like, oh god, but yeah. you know, like at the moment, I'm do- I'm legit doing I think three three hundred twenty five bigger tests a week, and I feel the best I've ever felt. And I know by the end of this phase, I will reach peak level of strength that I have been whilst using a cycle. When I reach my peak levels of strength, and I will definitely regain all my health to be able to start some creating that is when i, I will see a, a great result yeah. so and loads of people still in a mind frame where they think out of the gate there is some some cases if someone has finished prep and is still fresh yeah maybe they can utilize some drugs in, in a post contest rebound yeah whatever but for me 90 percent of people that finish contest prep will be absolutely mashed like you're not going to build any muscle never mind anything else Adding more drugs into that equation will make things even worse. So, boom. That's just, without getting too carried away. No, no, I mean, like, I, I mean, it needs to, it needs to be stated. Like, don't suck at bodybuilding, dude. And try and make up for it in the drug, the drug thing. You know what I mean? Like, if you, if, if we, if you look at professional sports, right, the guys that have been, like, super caught with drugs, like, if you, if, uh, take a, take a really good baseball player in Barry Bonds and put him on drugs. And he's absolutely insane. He's hitting home runs further than anyone's ever seen in their entire life. You know what I mean? But the baseball player was there, right? He practiced, he got his swing to where it is. He got like the, the, the drugs only enhanced that. And I think that's kind of, I don't know. I, I, I really wish it would be called like, I really wish we could just like change like, drug usage and this and that to just like enhancements instead of like like we're on steroids like oh we're on enhancements like i just wish it would go to that word because like that's all it's doing is enhancing what's you know the work you're putting in the effort you're putting in and like if the effort and the work aren't there then you're just shortening your lifespan for no fucking reason it's great um (laughs) at the end of the day. So yeah, now great conversation. Sorry to go off on that uh, little, little tangent, but uh, you know, something that needed to be said. And uh, you know, at the end, yeah, at the end of the day, it was, it's always something I'm curious about. Um, just because like, I, I, I think I, ultimately, ultimately what it comes down to is you have to ask this, ask, ask yourself the question, right? Is why do you bodybuild? Why? If you can honestly give me a, the correct answer as to why you bodybuild and what what actually motivates you, then then obviously we're going to be a good place. But I can guarantee you now the people that that nail and overuse the compounds, which 
again, listen, I'll hold my hand up. I was one of the people back in the day. I was one of them people, but, but I always had the application. I just did not have the right guidance. So 2017 and below, like I was getting guided by fucking idiots. So it was no fault of my own because I didn't know any better. Like, but for me, if you're a true bodybuilder's bodybuilder, you will still do the shit you do every single day, day in, day out. You will still make progress while running nothing. You will. Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt, you will. Like, it is not about what you take. And believe it or not, like, the guys that, that, that are up there, believe it or not, I can guarantee you now they will be running the very much, pretty much the same compounds and probably very similar dosages as well. I can, on it, I can put any money on that now. Yep. And, and I think some people run a lot less than what you think. And that's, yeah. I, mean, that, I think it's funny when you actually have conversations with people about like what the pros actually do take. And it's like, yeah, it's really not as much as you think it is, but not to get too far off on topic. I, I do kind of want to phase into some of the mistakes that you said that you've come across that you've made with yourself and clientele, whether it be prep or mini cuts, because I think that that's something that will be contextually important because it can kind of cross apply depending on the, the length of the mini cut versus like, obviously the length of contest prep is a lot longer for most people. Um, oh, man. So in terms of the length of the mini cut, I basically allowed myself to get way too out of shape. One, I was using GH with not knowing the application and I had the access to use Real Pharma GH. Uh, somebody basically didn't want it for the kids because it was apparently causing the pain, so they were selling it off to me. Uh, so that's the way it goes. I'll, I'll have it, no problem. Um, and basically, I just allowed myself to get lazy. My food wasn't even high. And this translates into one of the points where I mini-cutted from that, from that state and so we'll dive into that one first. And then in 2014, I went through probably the most horrendous prep ever in my life. And I pretty much made every mistake in the world in that prep. So I'll fill you on that one as well. Um, so first with the mini cut really is, and that's the mistake I'll never allow myself to make. Uh, I with my clients really is allowing yourself to get lazy and allowing yourself to get to a point where, again, like I mentioned before, early on in the podcast, where, it's not going to be a mini cut, unfortunately, because it's going to take you so long to regain the sensitivity and the level, the, the, the sensible level that we need to be at. It will probably take you around 10 weeks to get there, even 12, even for someone that's as responsive as I am. So the biggest thing was really for me, I was overeating like a pig and I was just lazy, man. I was just lazy. I, I was, I was in the gym doing triples and I, I was getting out of breath warming up. It was it was terrible. Like I didn't even have a pump for about three four months. It was it was a joke. So and for me to get back in a place where it was actually productive, I think it it take it took me like twelve weeks. So it's almost like a contest prep. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest mistake you can do if you're working with someone, if you're accountable to someone, and again. I wasn't really accountable accountable to anyone back then. If you're truly accountable to someone, then that, that should never happen. That should never really happen. And even if you're accountable to yourself, that, that should never happen. So get strapped in for this one, 2014 prep. 16 weeks out from uh, the junior qualifier, 
for for the British finals. I I can say, I'll send you the fact that there's some pictures on my timeline, Luke. If you want to have a look, I'll I'll try and dig them out. I'll send them through, and you're not going to believe the transformation anyway. But I, I I was already on cycle. I was fat and mate. Like I'm not sure if any of you actually did this, but start a cycle when your body composition is shit and see if it does anything. It just makes you feel worse. So I was already on cycle, and I think at 18 weeks out or 16 weeks out, I started up. I think I actually started maybe 18 weeks out, but I started actually coming down because I'm pretty sure it took me actually two weeks to get in the, the frame of mind of doing a prep. Uh, so the first two weeks didn't even count because the first two weeks was actually getting my schedule right. So 16 weeks out, I started the prep, and towards the end, for the last six weeks, I was doing two and a half hours of cardio. I was eating seven fish meals a day, two carb meals, just a bit of rice, and it was six meals of cod. Uh, meal one was salmon. I can remember diet off by heart. Uh, I was still working. I was still working on the doors of security in a nightclub. I was PTing during the daytime, and I was still prepping for at that time. And that that's pretty much how my diet looked for 16 weeks. Obviously, tapering it up. I even ran DMP for like or under the guidance of, of an expert. Un- Listen to this though. Under the guidance of an expert, I ran DMP for like four days, and I remember sitting on a bench in this commercial gym. And, mate, my sweat absolutely stunk. And, I mean, it, it smelled so bad. I had a white T-shirt on, and it just turned, like, brown and yellow. I was sat there, and I was so tired. Like, I, it took me around five minutes to just stand up and try attempt to do a set. Like, performance was dog shit. I couldn't, I couldn't hardly function. But, anyway, I saw that prep through, and I actually won. I won, <laughs> I won the qualifier. I won the British finals as a junior. And then uh, I got second in the Worlds as well. But it's because that prep was so horrendous and I still seen it through and I did it. Like, no matter what you throw at me now, I don't care what you tell me to do. I will do it and I won't even bat an eyelid. Like, I don't care how hard it gets. Like, because I went through some horrendous preps and that was probably the worst because I literally remember standing on a railing working at the nightclub and I remember thinking to myself, like, if someone comes right now and we get any trouble whatsoever, like, they will literally just touch me and I will literally, I will literally be on my ass. And there's nothing I can do to even defend myself. So when you go through preps like that and I look back at the stupid shit that the people used to tell me to do with, with anabolics, etc., back in them days, because that is what the knowledge used to be like here in England. Like, it, was, it wasn't even basic. It was fucking dumb. And it still is. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not an expert, but I've had so much mileage and I've done so much stupid shit. I know not to make that stupid shit again. And I know for people not to make that stupid shit again. But the stupid shit that the people used to tell me to do, like, honestly, it, it's, it's mind-blowing. And uh, that was pretty much the worst prep ever. And... These are the preps that people unfortunately go through. And if it wasn't me, if it was someone else, I know for a fact a prep like that would make them quit bodybuilding. And I see this happen so, so much, especially now with, with, with competing being so popular. People think of it as, as like a, a glorified moment. It is not. Like since when putting a bit of tan on and going on stage with your pants on and, and, and getting some old men to judge is a glorified moment. Come on. Like, get real. It is fucking not. So 
with the actual with the actual community in England, especially with it being so popular, so many people do it when they're not ready to go for a contest prep. And like some people do it and when they've never even dieted before. And that's another thing. Like I would never have a client compete before unless I did a mock prep with them just to see if they can actually handle it. And there's so many people just diving into a prep right now without being able to, without even doing a real off season. And for me, you are not, a, like for me, it's a, ne- it's a no-go, absolutely not. Never ever do a prep unless your off season has been meticulous because you know for a fact that that prep is going to end up with so much suffering. Like, you know, you're going to have to suffer and you don't have to suffer. Like bodybuilding is not about suffering. If it is, like you need to like get in like dominatrix shit because it's not, don't get me wrong. You will suffer to a degree, but you, at no point should you ever feel like you hate this shit. And unfortunately, through lack of knowledge and the stupid shit people tell people to do, like people end up hating bodybuilding and that's not on. Like this is the shit I stand against right now because I've been through it myself. So I stand against that shit right now. So that was one of the mistakes. That was one of the mistakes in prep. In 2017, uh, I'll tell you off the, off the grid when we're not on the podcast, uh, which coach it was. But um, a world-renowned coach, world-renowned coach, was uh, getting friendly, offering me help for free and all that. Uh, that was when I was getting ready for the British UK BFF British finals. And actually, that's when Hollingshead won his pro card. Uh, was actually in the lineup together at, at, at the finals on the, on, on the actual day. Because uh, I, I won the heavyweights class and I won the junior class as well on that day. So... I actually got some uh, nostalgic moments with James on stage that day. So in that prep, uh, a renowned coach was getting friendly with me and they sent me over the drug protocol. And it was 250 million of tests, uh, 150 million of Oxy, Anadrol, uh, 150 million of D-Ball. I think it was Parabolon. I think Parabolon comes in 73 milligrams. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it 73? Mm -hmm. 73, what's that times three? Like 200 and whatever, 220? Something like so that. So it was 250. So, right, let, let's round it off to 250, yeah? So 250 test, 250 trend, Parabolon as well. Um, 150 Anadrol, 150 D-Ball. And I was like, is that, is that per week? I was like, no, that, that's per day. Oh my. I was... 21 years old at the time. 21, no. Sorry, I was 22, 23 years old at the time. So, I, don't get me wrong. I, I didn't do that shit. I did not do that shit. Because that was at 16 weeks out, Mark. I was like, if I start training at 16 weeks out, somebody will be dead. And I, that was the year I opened up a gym as well. So that was the first year of obviously the gym being open. So as you know yourself, man, when you've got a business that's a public business, you have to be nice to people. Like, do you know what I mean? Like you've got it, you face of the business. You have to, you have to make that relationship with people. You have to be good to people. So uh, obviously I did not do that. I did not do that. I probably took more gear than I should have that year anyway, but I definitely did not do that. Jesus. <laughs> I would have been dead by now. Uh, but like, just imagine that right now, right? If I didn't know any better by that point, because by then I, I was already getting my, like my knowledge was actually getting better by then. So 2017 onwards, when I started working with JP, obviously 20, after that show, I started working with JP. Um, but before that, I was already getting all right. So I, I already had a good base of knowledge to, to know not to do something as stupid as that. So 
imagine that now, right, Luke? If that was two years before that, and I did, unfortunately, because of the lack of resources, I did not have that knowledge. What if I just went and accepted what she, what, 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 what they said, and just went with it? What do you think would happen? Would have been. A I may have not. I probably would have been dead. Like, but I, I would have probably by the end of that prep. Like, I would have been. I would have been in a good way. Let's face it. So this, these are the things that, that are happening, man. And it, it's, you know what? It's happening more right now. It's happening more right now. So I think, I think that's a good point to make because I think that everything that we do within, within that realm when it comes to applying it to bodybuilding, we've already set the framework that obviously nutrition, training, all that stuff needs to be 100% on point. But it, it needs to be understood from calculated risk. And one thing that I try to do to an extent is explain what the calculated risks are for these individuals when it comes to each of these compounds. What are the downstream effects that we're going to see um, when we're using these different compounds, whether it be test, whether it be trend, whether it be NTP, whether it be premobol and whatever. What is the benefit? What is the detraction compared to this versus this? Am I going to see lipid profiles get skewed? Am I going to see, what am I going to see on blood work, et cetera, et cetera, right? When we get to a point that the suggestions look like that, there is not only a lack of concern for what the downstream effects of these compounds are, but there's also a lack of understanding to know that that is completely idiotic when it comes to maintaining someone throughout a prep from a ability to function standpoint. Now we, we understand that within a contest prep health markers are going to get a little out of whack. That's just, just pretty, pretty standard. Right. But the amount that we let them get out and skewed can affect the efficiency of the contest prep. I mean, you brought it up already, like the inflammatory markers and, and, and things like that, that we're going to be looking at when bloods like when suggestions like that are made, like that con that cycle you just did is like 1700 and 1750 megs of test a week. Yep. That is absolutely asinine. Yeah, it doesn't take that. Like that's not pushing someone to function to the capacity that they need to in order to be the best that they're going to be at the end of the prep. Let, let me give you an example, right? Just, just real quick. Like for me, with anabolics, it has to be a sweet spot where you take enough to be able to make the maximum progress, but not lose the ability to eat, sleep, digest your food, and still feel healthy and be healthy to a degree. Let's face it, we're never going to be healthy. Unfortunately, we're not. Well, you have to find a sweet spot where it's a fine balance, right? It's a trade-off. So for me, that kind of dose, bro, it, it wouldn't be even diet fatigue that would have killed me. It would have been the drug fatigue that would have killed me. Like, I, my, my energy levels would be through the floor. Like, I wouldn't be able to perform. And I think that is the biggest lesson that I have learned for me is that overdoing anabolics has a detrimental effect and it actually has a negative effect. Like, more is not better. I don't think it is. I think it's about finding a sweet spot that's going to work for you in a place where, one, you can still stay reasonably healthy, your bloods aren't going to be shit, and two, like, you can really progress. I think that's key. That is an absolute key. And, and like, we, like we can conceptualize this as an inverted U, right? Like, once we get up to that peak point to the left of the inverted U, like, that's where we're functioning our best. And then yeah. once you get past that peak point and start going back down the other side, that's where shit starts to go wrong. And that point for everybody's different, right? Like we've got yeah. 
individual response to drugs, right? And yeah, yeah 100%. How, let me ask you real quick. How do you base the duration of your cycle as well? A mm, couple of things. So for most of my guys, I'm pulling blood at some point during the cycle. So that's, that's probably one of my main ones. Um, typically somewhere around the 10-ish week mark, we're pulling bloods just to make sure that everything is not too far out, right? Yep. Like if, if there's health concerns going on, obviously going to be tracking my normal metrics, like my daily, like my blood pressures and my blood glucose for people using on especially uh, yeah those kinds of things but probably health is a priority um yeah i see health go off like i'm i don't care like I, i'm gonna pull the plug i'm not i'm not I mean, bodybuilding in the stage will be there forever like it's not worth it to me to have someone get so far off track health wise that it's going to be detrimental to, to them long term so typically i'm pulling bloods mid-cycle too like that's another mistake i see a lot of people make is they only pull bloods I, I actually, I actually have blood work. Well, now moving forward, every eight weeks, regardless from on on cycle or off cycle, yeah. and I actually have the full panel, everything, yeah, every eight weeks. And not only that, but it gives me a good guide as to where my hormone levels are at in terms of prolactin, and estrogen as well. So yeah. I'm not having to guess whether I'm controlling it right. Does that make sense? I think or, it can uh, help you with modifying stack design too, like yeah, the ratios and everything like that, like using the right compounds in order to do that with not only uh, stack design, but minimal AI usage, right? Like, cause we know how negative the downstream effects of high AI usage, you know, so we can That's call, man. change stack design in order to manage that appropriately without needing to escalate AI usage to a point. Now I do think, I do think if we're, this is where I might disagree with some other people where, I think some AI usage will be needed in order to compete at the highest level. Um, but I do yeah, think definitely. we should use stack design in order to minimize it. And that's, yeah. yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think a little bit of aromacin is not going to hurt. No. But not when, not, not when people are, are, are absolutely nailing Arimidex year-round off-season. And One, do you know what? Every day of Arimidex, if I've seen so many people come to me with that on their plan. I'm like, like from their other coach. And I'm like, this person's an idiot. Like, I guarantee you they copy and pasted that onto a sheet of paper because they don't want to deal with the complaints of the possibility of gynecomastia. And they're not going to take the time to actually learn how we can control this via intermediating. So, so go, going back to the mistakes it's making past as well, the, the standard, the standard, legit, the standard in England back in the day used to be the thought process behind your gear works better if you use a Rimidex, so you have to use it every day. That's awful. Legit. I, that, I would that people that was preaching to me, bro. So when I tell you I've done some dumb shit, I've done some serious dumb shit in the past. So. Yeah. Well, I think that, I think that, too, like when we when we look to, to dial this back and, and look at mini cuts and, and preps and things like that, like your response per change can change a lot as well, right? Like we're trying to make a process where each change ticks us forward towards the end goal, whether it's a five-week mini cut or whether it's a 20-week contest prep. The changes that we make on a week-to-week basis should tick us towards the goal. If, yeah, if, totally. if these things are out of whack, these changes are not going to be ticking us towards our goal. 
And that's, that's the end thing, man. Like I've seen, like I've had people come to me where I've just changed ratio of compounds and we've seen progress just go through the roof because like, you know, the, it was just not the right ratio of compounds for that individual. Right. And it's so funny to see that. And, but I think that again, we can't always look to drugs as the, as the play. And we got to look at what am I doing on a day to day? And if we don't make the mistake of nixing that for the drugs, everyone's process is going to be extremely efficient. And I think that people miss, this is why I love people who start in natural bodybuilding and then transition into geared bodybuilding because they tick their boxes better than anyone I've ever seen. That was me. Like I started, I did my first four shows natural. Like, yeah. I just love the process and, and, yeah. and that's where I see the best progress happen. Yeah. I, do you know what? I agree with that. Totally. Totally. I totally agree with that. And I definitely wish that, 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 that my first couple of shows was not, I definitely wish that that beginning of my career, but beginning of my career was not, but unfortunately it, I can't take time back, but <laughs> it's, I've not done bad. since. I've not done bad from it. I've not done bad from it, but I definitely agree with that man. Like, like everything that we're saying right now actually applies to mini cuts because I think the biggest mistakes people make when approaching a mini cut is trying to use compounds because they think they will actually lose muscle. Where in fact, even if you are running TRT, the likelihood of losing muscle is just not there. The only thing if you do lose is just probably a ton of water weight. So yes, your strength might decline because the stability factor just will not be the same. Let's face it, 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 when you're 20 pounds heavier, if you get in on a bench, you will be able to create so much more stability. Therefore, you will be stronger. Yes, you will. But come on, man. Like, if you're taking gear, you're not losing muscle unless you're being a fucking dick. Yep. Yep, I agree. I agree. Um, well, Kuba, I think that that's been a unbelievable conversation as far as covering this whole topic. There, is there anything like highlights that you want to tick off for people as far as making sure they, they tick these boxes going into any, any dieting process, whether it be mini cut, whether it be contest prep, um, and, then, and then we'll have Matt wrap it up. And head out from there. So uh, I think first, I definitely need to apologize for going off on, on a bit of a tangent, going off, off track. But uh, I think the, the, the summary and the overview that, that we need to consider when, when I was approaching a mini cut is, is I think the, the, the most important one is why do you need a mini cut? If it's down to losing your discipline and structure, then you need to reassess that. Once that mini cut is over, like your discipline and structure needs to remain so you don't need the mini cuts as often. Uh, I, I think this, the second real biggest thing is do not treat a mini cut like, like a mini contest prep. Like a mini cut is there for a purpose to regain sensitivity and regain the structure and almost regain your body's ability to progress. Like for me, it's a reset. It's not even a mini cut because we're not trying to cut body fat. We're trying to get your body back in a responsive place. I think free emotionally, the attach yourself from wanting to be in stage condition is not a productive place to be. And four, uh, I think don't base your mini cuts off where you are in terms of your pet usage. Base your mini cuts as of when you need them. If you need that mini cut a week into a cruise phase or a TRT phase, you take that mini cut. Like that is it. You need to do it, get it done, in and out, job done. That's a brief overview, really, without getting carried away. 
Well, that was perfect. Yeah. I, I don't really have anything to add to that. I think that kind of covers it perfectly. Matt, you got any follow-up questions before we log off? No, no. I, I mean, uh, honestly, I, I think that's it. I think uh, everyone kind of uh, will have like a, a nice view of uh, mini cuts now. Uh, you know, that mini cuts are, are essentially a, a reset and not like a physique enhancement. So they're not, it's not a tool that you use to like alter your physique per se. Like that's not the main goal of it. The main goal is to reset inflammation, reset hunger signaling, reset fatigue, get yourself ready for another push-up. Um, and, you know, the, the timing of, you know, mini cuts isn't um, physique dependent. It's, it's, it's more so like where, where are we at with training? Is, is performance starting to, to go downhill? Is like fatigue setting in way too high? Um, it, it, like you're not able to get your food in because you're not hungry? Like, like, I think those things are the things that, you know, you, you, like you start looking at to set up the mini cuts. And then the, the, the last thing was kind of like a cool thing for me to hear was that the PEDs um, aren't necessarily like a big player in mini cuts. Like you're not treating it as like a, a micro contest prep and, and adding in drugs to help you like, you know, shed some, some weight or like, you know, drop water or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, this was a fantastic conversation and, and hopefully the, the bodybuilding community continues. Like, I think we've had this conversation in multiple different podcasts, but hopefully the, um, bodybuilding community continues to move away, like from the terms steroids and moves more toward PEDs so that they understand that it's just an enhancement factor and not necessarily like an end all be all magical unicorn wave of wand and you're the best bodybuilder in the world now, you know? So get good at bodybuilding, man. It's, it's, it's a practice every day, day in and day out. That is bodybuilding. Um, it's not what you do on stage in my opinion. So. All right, Kuba, if you got anything to kind of put out there advertisement wise, this is the time on yourself time. To be honest, man, uh, it's in terms of coaching, man, I, I, at the moment, I, I'm not in a position to be able to take any more clients at the moment. So I, I've got so some things in pipeline that, that I'm working on to, to be able to, to free up my time a little bit. But again, big fan of the podcast, man. But yeah, uh, not, nothing really to add. No advertisements. Again, there's a lot, a lot of the listeners are from America. So you're not going to be able to travel to, any, <laughs> to England anytime soon. But if you do, you're going to have to visit my gym. You'll love it. I, I've sent Luke a couple of videos, actually, and uh, he definitely liked it. But in terms of equipment, I've pretty much, when, when the next order of equipment arrives, anything you can think of, man, I've got. <laughs> Luckily, I'll be coming after that next shipment. So with, with yes. Trip, yes. I'll, I'll be in a little bit of a playground. So I'm, I'm excited for that trip when it comes. So, um, oh, yes. Thanks again. We really appreciate it. Um, thanks yeah. for your time. And that was a great episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you, guys. We appreciate it.